Why is it we humans get romanced by complexity when the answers can be found at a simple and practical level? This is the Simply Practically Human podcast, where the human manager, Mark Labasque, features experts who have a track record in humanizing workplaces, using simplicity and practicality as their go-to approach. It's all about getting back to what it is to be human and watch workplaces thrive rather than just survive. Hey there, it's Mark Labusk for the Simply Practically Human podcast. And today's guest was a um, retiring public servant from the, um, the Canadian government, Rose Catacool, who I met around 12 months ago and really have been following with great interest Rose's journey to transition, which after 36 years with the public service in Canada, she had made the decision to retire. And, and today she's going to share a lot about her experience of those of the 36 years, but also most importantly of the last 12 months and what it's meant to her, the emotions that she's had as she's gone through that, what she's observed in the way that she's been treated really well by her manager, been given good work to do and rather than sort of, I guess as we could call it, be put in the corner and sort of just work that time out. So this episode today really addresses that issue of how can you as a manager help the transition of a long-term employee out of that place of employment and make that as rewarding as it possibly can be? You know, these people are human beings and they still want to do good work, even though we may have a story in our mind of uh, that, you know, they're on the way out and so forth. They might be looking to kick back a little bit and put the comfy slippers on. I was fortunate to meet Rose, as I said, 12 months ago. She also participates in our Zoom room provocations that we do each week and her insights into the workplace and into human beings in particular is uh, is incredible. One of the reasons we recorded this one is that Rose wrote an incredible article about the concept of jubilar, which is about joy and bringing joy. And um, one of the things that will become very apparent to you as you're listening to this is that... Rose wanted to make sure as she was transitioning out and what, whatever was what's next, that it would bring joy to her. And also with a very, very helpful way that she goes about it, bring joy to others. It's an interesting topic, this. It's maybe another one that's awkward in the workplace and I wanted to bring it to life as well is how can we help these transitions happen in a way so that both the person who's transitioning out can benefit and the organisation can benefit from those incredibly long years of service and what they've brought to the organisation. You may be going through this yourself. This could be something that you're about to transition out and thinking about what's next. You'll get some great things. Or you may be a manager who is feeling a bit awkward about how to step into this and Rose's three really powerful tips are must-listens for you. Sit back, have a listen, and we'll catch you at the end. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by retired public servant from Canada and good friend of mine, Rose Catechel. Rose, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Mark. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Uh, I'm honoured that you uh, believe I'm your friend. We've known each other uh, for over a year now, uh, and you're all the, all the way in Australia. So that says a lot about you and really honoured to be here with you. Yeah, well, I do consider you all, I hope that you consider me to be your friend as well, but not only my my friend, but at times my um, my backstop on my 
technophobic ways because you are very good with technology that you found out not long back in the Zoom room, which was fantastic. <laughs> Today's topic's an interesting one. As I introduce you as, um, I guess, recently retired from the Canadian Public Service, but we're sort of going to get into this topic of how do, you, how do we handle that sort of transition out of out of the workplace? And, and I guess looking through a couple of lenses here, Rose, one being through your own eyes and then perhaps also of the, of the eyes of a manager. And sometimes this, this can be a little bit awkward for people. It's like uh, Mark's moving on or he's going off to retire or Rose's are going off to retire. And sometimes managers don't quite know how to handle that. So hopefully today we can get some great tools and tips from you on how to, how to do that. But before we get into that, um, I do always start with this idea of your recollection of how we connected and maybe share a little bit about how that was for you. So for the last couple of, well, last year, like everyone, the pandemic, we were all locked down at home. Canada, we're still in, in lockdown. And um, I wanted to make sure that, you know, there was the work, I had the work to do, but I also wanted to make sure that uh, the time that I was saving from driving to work or other things, that I actually used it in an effective way. And I'm a, a great uh, user of LinkedIn. And I came across, well, I met you in one of the drinking dialogues, another group. And then I heard about your group and I thought, well, I'll, um, I'll join it. With trepidation, so you maybe you might not know that. I do now. <laughs> <laughs> when I joined the group, you know, most members were uh, are from Australia, and I thought, well, here's a Canadian that's going to join. And I, I think you were surprised when I joined. I was. And so I just I wanted to see what the conversation was like, and immediately you made me feel welcome, and so my fear uh, went down in terms of participating and. Uh, of course, the rest is history, a lovely group, great interactions, all have different perspectives. And I just find it's really, uh, which could have been a very depressing year, has actually enriched my life. So it just makes it, you know, look forward to what's next. Thank you. And look, one of the things I think it's worth mentioning is what time is it for you over there when you jump onto the Zoom room provocation? What, what time is that? So recently with the time change, for me, it's 11 p.m. So by the time we're finished, it's 12.15 past midnight. When I was working, uh, that was an issue. And I think a couple of times I told you I was just too tired. Yeah. When there isn't a time change, it's uh, 10 o'clock. So still, it's late because I'm an early morning person. But I, I didn't really want to miss the sessions because I found the discussions really interesting and fun. I love it. And look, the... One of the things it says to me is the, I guess, the power of that human connection, and I, in some respects, sort of finding a, let's call it a tribe of human beings that you enjoy to interact with. And look, I'm delighted and and really humbled that you decided at 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. as it is at the moment to jump on there. And um, and the energy that you bring, you know, now knowing that I knew it was late, but the energy that you bring at that time. The other thing I'll quickly ask you then is. But there's some really interesting conversations and, and you know, my mind's going at a million miles an hour when we're doing it. Like at, at quarter after midnight for you when you finish, is it easy just to go off to sleep or you, what's going on for you there? Well, no, it takes me a little while because your mind is all geared up. If, I, if I've had a busy day or, you know, many things going on, 
I will uh, have a little nap <laughs> uh, before the call. But I, if I'm interested in something, guess what? All the en- energy is there. And uh, yeah, it does take me a little time to uh, get to sleep. Now, because I'm you know, in retirement, I can uh, wake up a little bit, but I don't because I, I tend to wake up at the same time. But it's nicer weather now, so I can go outside, you know, take a walk and get energized. I love it. So recently retired, and I've been chipping away at you for a while to come on to here. And one of the things that really got me motivated even more to get you on was that great article that you wrote and posted on LinkedIn, Jubilar. So can we talk a little bit about that as a lead into the topic today, what that means to you and why it sort of inspires you to, to write it, I thought, which was a remarkable piece and, and share it with the world? Well, I wanted to tell my, my story. I'll be completing 36 years in, in a month and a half with the public service. And I met a whole, you know, a number of great people throughout my career not just in my workplace, but across the country and in the world. And uh, I felt it was important to share sort of my my Canadian story. So a little bit of background, how I got into the public service. My parents are originally from India, and they uh, immigrated to Canada in 1965. And they were inspired by a prime minister at the time, Lester B. Pearson. He's known for our flag and many other things, but Suez Canal crisis, so on and so forth. And my father, he's passed on. He was a professor. So we moved from Alberta, which is in the west, to Quebec, which is in the east. And then now we're in Ottawa, which is east uh, central, which is the capital of Canada. And so my father was a professor. My mom, uh, she's still alive. She's a nurse. They were in public service, public sector work. So that their character, their, their, my upbringing, it was all about serving and helping, being good citizens and helping others. I went to school. I, I initially, I thought I wanted to be a doctor or something in the medical field. So I studied science and I found it wasn't for me. I got my degree and then I, I, I went into commerce again, <laughs> not what was my forte. But it got me a very marketable degree. And um, then I started in the public service at a very, uh, well, you know, relatively young age. And public policy is where I, you know, was attracted to. I found out initially I started in finance and then um, went into audit. But I was being drawn to areas that involved people, whether it was communities in our society or people inside. So I was really fortunate uh, when I look back how, um, you know, I could work with new and current citizens, newcomers to Canada. I worked with Indigenous peoples. I actually had an opportunity to work in the North. I had interactions with not-for-profit, private sector. And then my last couple of years, the last six years, I worked in the area of uh, human resources and leadership. I was never a specialist I was a generalist, and I still pride myself on that. But, you know, I worked in such areas as defense, treasury, justice, the north, the environment, and technology. And, you know, it's, everyone says, wow, I didn't plan it that way. It just happened. But I'm, I'm really grateful for having all those opportunities. And most of all, 
all the relationships that I forged through that time. And I learned in order to get move things, whether it's a policy or a program or operations, you need to work with people, your own staff, others. And how did I do that? I, I did it by just being me and, uh, you know, listening a lot, learning from others. And, and that's why I say being a generalist, there's an advantage in that you learn, uh, you listen and you learn. So that's kind of my story as to how I got in. Just one thing I wanted to pick up on. We had a quick chat yesterday and you said to me, I hope you just stick to script marked and just go where we need to go. But you knew that that wasn't going to happen. But I, th- yeah, I think yeah. this is a great one to explore a little bit. You worked in so many different parts of the public service and in, in the government. You just mentioned defence and a whole lot of different places in different roles as a generalist. One of the things that I come across with people is that they sort of hide behind the area that they work in as something that makes them like they are. So, you know, I work in defence, so I'm like that, or I work in local planning or whatever it might be. You talked about being helpful before and listening and learning. These people are all human beings before they were in a part of, you know, the public service. Why do you think it is that human beings sort of use the area they work in as a bit of a shield for the way they behave? What Have you picked anything up along the way on that? Well, it's a very good question. I don't like the term bureaucracy, but that is what the public service is. It's there to help the government of the day. If you were to characterize the kind of uh, personnel that are attracted to that kind of work, they tend to be people who like order, they like rules, they like policies, but at the heart of it, they like to help people. So I liked helping people, but I didn't really enjoy the rules, policies, and all that kind of thing. And right from the beginning, even though I've worked for 36 years, I always felt different. Yep. Because of how I thought, how I, you know, would ask why, why are we doing this? But I did it with respect. And you're right, some people felt comfortable in those roles. But my my own experience was that given the opportunity And, you know, particularly when I became a leader of people, I always used to say, as long as it's not unethical, immoral or illegal, you have license to, you know, advance whatever you're working on. My role is to help you figure out the the strategy, the tactics, what's the right timing, how to present it, you know, get all that intel to make you successful. And I don't fault them if that's where they feel comfortable because of their role, and that's okay. But some people would like to have that space to be more adventurous, more creative, and do things that are outside of their role. And I, I think now it's even changing more. If I were to join the public service today, it probably would be a different context and circumstance. No doubt. Thanks for answering the question without notice. You did an amazing job. Hey, um, the concept of the generalist, I really like that. Like the ability for you to go into different parts of the public service, but over overlaying that is, I guess, that mantra of yours about helpfulness. Like if you take that as such a powerful starting point, you can really go into any part of the business and be, be helpful, can't you? And I think that's something that maybe younger people who might be listening to this are thinking about their career and where they're going to go. And maybe if you overlay it with those human qualities and then start to think about, I want to be helpful, 
It doesn't mean I need to do it in one stream. I could be helpful across a lot of streams because I think people are going to do a lot of jobs. You know, the way the work is today, people are going to have lots of careers. So yes. I think that's a great way to be. Which brings me to that last 12 months for you. I know over this time you've been talking about, it's sort of almost been like there's a date coming up for what's going to be happening with me. How, how have emotions been for you over that time working through that? You know, naturally after such a long time, and, and particularly, I don't know if what it would have been bif- different if we were not in a pandemic, you know, not in lockdown. And so I'm, I'm at home as well, right? So I have a lot of time to think. <laughs> I like to think and time to reflect. And at least this is what I was doing. You know, what did I do? Was I helpful? What didn't I do? Why didn't I finish it? So I, I, I had to really watch myself not to beat myself up because I did many things, but I also didn't do as many things as I wanted to do. And the person that sort of summed it up for, you know, why I did things I did was uh, the former President Obama. And um, there's a great quote, which I put in my article. And if, you, if it's OK, I'd like to read it. Yes, please. I think it's so powerful. Uh, So he says, we have duties to ourselves, our nation and the world, duties that we do not grudgingly accept, but rather seize gladly, firm in the knowledge that there is nothing so satisfying to the spirit, so defining of our character and giving all to a difficult task. And this resonated with me so much, you know, throughout my career, I would just tackle whatever was there and I'd give it my all. In fact, I'd probably give it 110%. Yep. And, you know, there was success from that. But I also wonder uh, if I gave too much of myself. Mm. And so, you know, I have heard uh, not-so-nice stories of people retiring and they have nothing left because of their work was their whole life. And um, luckily, you know, I'm a person that uh, has a lot of interests. But also, you know, your health. I've spoken to a few people who've retired over the years, and um, their health has suffered. So guess what I'm working on is just making sure that I exercise regularly. I always ate well, but, you know, the exercise is something that, uh, so, I, you know, three times a day I'm doing some sort of activity. So the the emotions, probably three types of emotions. You know, there's a a movement here. I'm transitioning. So visually, think about when you're moving, you're not sure where you're going. And sometimes it's slow. And sometimes you're going to places that are unknown. And sometimes it's in places that are known. And then the second stage would be, oh, agitation. You know, and I I went through this early, uh, maybe a month or two ago. Okay, what's happening? I feel lost. Where am I going to end up? Where's the destination? What's going to happen to me after I retire? I need to let go. Is it going to fall into place? Like all these uncertainties, being uncomfortable. And, and you know, what's my legacy? Yeah, all those kinds of, you know, that agitation. That, that, yep. uh, but in agitation, so that it leads me to the third thing where, you know, not bad. Be, you know, be kind to yourself. Not bad. It was not necessarily what I accomplished, but sort of that journey that, you know, getting to that destination. But the destination is what's not what's what's important. It's what you're going through. Mm. And so I then now see, well, 
And I've talked to a few people, so this hasn't been done in isolation. Well, I can start again. Like I, I now have experiences that I didn't have 36 years ago. Yeah. And so, you know, kind of reframing what I'm able to contribute, um, you know, all those relationships, all those things that I've actually accomplished. Now I can actually tackle anything. I can even do more work. <laughs> uh, and so that's what, how I ended up with Jubilab. Now I feel joy. And I know when people see me, whether it's on the screen now, they say, you look so happy. You look so rested. You actually look younger, even though I have gray hair, but you look younger. You know, I was talking to someone, she was uh, a general in the national defense. We kept in touch and she just kept saying, Rose, you look so good. And I kept thinking, what are you talking about? <laughs> but I guess I hadn't realized it because, you know, Mark, when you're feeling good and I, I wrestled with it and I'm, I'm under no impression that or illusion that I won't go back and forth, you know, between these three stages. But I'm going to focus on, you know, being uh, where I can um, capitalize on my strengths. There's opportunities. I still have dreams. And I want to, you know, add value or results to whatever I do. A couple of things. Uh, your self-awareness really stuck out for me then, the awareness of those stages that, and maybe not going through in a, like in a very linear, like one came to two, came to three, but you might have popped in from one and out and like, almost like a bit of spaghetti going all around the place. Yeah. So that's really important to share, particularly for people who are either facing into this themselves or or maybe managing people that are, are facing into it. The other question I had on this, on that one, what surprised you in that time as you were going through that last 12 months? Anything that surprised you about yourself? I think... The fact that I was able to say to myself, wow, because I always felt that I wasn't good enough. Yeah. And that, you know, I was always trying to prove myself. And, you know, when you come to the realization, you did so much. And it, people would say this to me, and I'd say, no, I haven't done much. But then I thought, no, stop beating yourself up. Be kind to yourself. and. You know, you, I can be proud of what I've done and what I've accomplished and who I've worked with. I know when I published this article, you know, people wrote comments, but people have been in touch with me, you know, and this would be someone who was perhaps part of my administrative team. Oh, Rose, I remember you and what you did. And I remember you talking to me the in the elevator. Like, these are different people. You, you actually said hello. Like, all those little things. That's what makes me smile. Yeah. It's not you know, the fact that I got some cabinet document approved. Uh, th those are all good. But if I touched those people in a way that made them feel good about themselves, you know, that's gold. Yeah. And so then I felt, okay, you've done what you need to do. I'm not finished, but you've done what you needed to do. You're certainly not finished. I know that because I, I, I know how motivated you are. If you've had that feeling of helpfulness from a very early age, that feeling's not going to go away. I love the idea of those little moments. I remember when you said hello to me in the lift. You know, I remember when, whatever it might have been, when you, when I was struggling a bit and you spent some time listening to what was going on. Like, we tend to miss these little moments because we get wrapped up in the fact, and even though, like you said, it's important, we got the cabinet paper through. And uh, I think there's a real lesson in this for human beings to, 
when we when we sort of look back on our careers, are we going to look on uh, just at the cabinet papers, or are we going to remember those little moments where people let us know that we were helpful and that we were were good enough? This brings me to these these three practical tips that you could give to people either going through this process into the transition of what's next or, or even looking at it from this perspective, Rose, is if you were a manager and you had someone in your team who was transitioning out and, you know, there was an end date there because it, it is awkward. I think sometimes managers just like, I'm actually not quite sure what to do with Rose for the next 12 months. And I look, I can I take it to the very, very, the very negative end. I've had people say, let's just park him in the corner because, you know, they can't do too much damage in the corner or they're looking for the easy ride out. And that's just a story that I think is not a great story. What, what would be some things that could help managers to walk through this, this really important time for another human being in their life could help them to go away from being awkward to being helpful? Yeah, so in fact, I wanted to retire a year earlier. And I, I give credit to my president who actually said, you've contributed so much and, you you know, how are you? And I said, I'm really tired. And um, he said, well, I want you to work on a leadership program. So something really important that for whatever reason, you know, in my former role as the head of HR, I could not get to. I had a whole range of things to look after. And so, you know, if you have, you know, something really important that needs doing, at least, you know, thinking about it strategically, trying to put all the pieces in, in place, you know, that is something that you could give to this person. So they're, they're not in the corner. They're not given a special project. We put that in quotation marks, but they're actually given something that is important to the organization. And so, you know, I was myself. I, I, I believed in my, myself and I, I wanted to make sure that I also took care of myself in this last year, sort of preparing. So, you know, looking at the strengths of the individual and, you know, the person has lots of experience and therefore they can bring it to the table. And it's a really a way to boost that person's confidence, to feel proud and leave a legacy. And for me, it really helped me kind of balance my health, both physical and mental. It gave me a time to kind of go into that. The other thing is, being that long in the public service, I had lots of relationships, past, current, and I was building new relationships. So again, if you're at home, you know, lock that person in a room, but use that opportunity and give the space for this person to introduce themselves to new, new alliances and offer their knowledge and experience to others. One advice I'd give not everyone is on the same timeline because, you know, they're busy doing their thing. And, and as a last assignment, I was on a sort of a different timeline. So I was lonely at times. And that's okay because I, I understood that not everyone's focused on what I'm working on. And so that gave me the time. I'm a very patient person as well. But this was even more patience to recognize if I have five minutes with someone, I better make the best use of that person's time. And so looking at, you know, where they could add value, there's so many things, challenges within an organization. And surely, you know, if this person has served this many years and they still want to contribute, there is an opportunity for them. 
there's such gold in there. Like it's almost like the manager can get to a point where they're thinking, oh, well, let's just ease Rose into the finish line. But that first one that you said, look, give them important work. Keep them involved in things that are really important rather than saying, well, this will just ease you in. That, that second one, I think this one is, is underdone, is building of new relationships and helping other people with that incredible amount of knowledge and experience that you build up. It's like, you know, I, I think smart organisations actually find ways if people don't want to transition straight out, they find ways to keep them in the organisation to do some things like mentoring and, and, and that sort of stuff. And I think there needs to be much, much more of that starting to happen. It's like when you step out straight away, and as I stepped out from corporate into what I do today, it was bloody lonely. You said, when you said lonely before, I got shivers because it's like, oh, it was lonely for the first six to 12 months. So give people the chance to maybe transition out and Look at where they can add value. And when you were saying that, Rose, I was thinking just don't be lazy as a manager and do this the easy sort of slash awkward way. Give people the dignity as they transition out to something else. I think they're they're incredible points that you've raised. Simplicity and complexity. You've been around in this game for a very long time and I'm wondering, I'm hoping you've got some thoughts around this, whether you came across this much in your in your career or, or still today, but I have a view that we try to overcomplicate things, make them complex rather than stepping into like a simple concept of being helpful and then we have to try and complicate it into how can I create something that's incredibly complex to be helpful. Do you think human beings have a have a bent towards trying to be in the complicated and complex or or what do you think? And I think we've had some discussions around this. So I was trying to think of some examples, things that everyone could relate to. Think about uh, making tea or coffee. You know, so let's say you're a tea drinker, you have, you know, a tea bag or you have some leaves and you can just, you know, boil some water and throw it in. But in many cultures... There's a ceremony around tea. There's a ritual around tea. And so I started thinking about, well, that's important too, because it's part of the the culture. It's part of the the relationship building. It's part of being hospitable, et cetera, et cetera. So it it, it adds a richness to our life, but there's intention there. It's not meant to make it overly complicated. So if you, on the surface, you could look at it and say, this is too complicated. We should just put some water and tea bag and that's it. But when you look at, you know, the, the intent behind those rituals, similarly, you could say the same thing with coffee. I love lattes, but, you know, all those different kinds of coffees around the world, there, there's those baristas, there's an art to that. There's, it's, it's beautiful to watch those that they love what they do. So I think, you know, there's a, a satisfaction or richness uh, that goes to that. The other thing is I also like, you know, photography and, and writing. And I'm sure, you know, if you've seen the great photography or, or writings of anyone or read them, they, they appear so beautiful and, and it's the simplest images are what captures most people's eye. But there's a lot of work that goes into the lighting and the angle and the shadows and the color. So that's a bit complicated, but 
again, it requires some work in terms of mental fortitude and maybe physical. Again, it's the intent. It's meant to capture something because the human eye is incredible, as you know. It yeah. captures and to replicate that or, you know, the human brain to replicate that in, in a piece of literature requires some complicated effort yeah. and talent, of course. So I could go on. I, like I've been thinking about this for a while. I think there's a bias. Uh, so in my work, you know, if I would say, let's simplify this uh, or let's do this differently. What most people would do, and there's some studies that actually show this, they would add things. So, I, uh, you know, I want to change my organization. Well, let's add this unit because this unit can do something that the rest of us are not doing. Again, studies have proven that very few people will actually take something out. They, they won't subtract unless they're given permission to do it. So as a leader, when you're trying to do some organizational change, it's really important that it be clear and explicit on what you're trying to achieve. So that, you know, that bias of, you know, adding instead of subtracting disappears. Do you think when we, the bias of adding, is that where we're potentially adding the complication and the complexity? Yeah. Instead of, uh, there's a, I wish I had a image, but you know, Lego, yeah. uh, you know, the Lego. So there's a, a, the study was looking at, it had built a structure and there was a kind of a roof, structure and there was a, a person a figurine but there was only one pillar and so the question was they want to add something to the structure but they know if they add something to the top it'll collapse no one said let's take the roof off and put that instead that, that's, that's subtracting and so our bias is okay well you know lego it's all about adding it's not about subtracting <laughs> Well, that's a, I, I thought that was a great example to show, you know, sort of that bias towards that. I like and it. so in the end, my conclusion is, I think we all crave for simplicity, but in order to get there, you need to go through some complexity. And, you know, I'm not a either or person, you know, the, the extreme, I think something in the middle yeah. with intent that makes it enjoyable is the ideal situation. I love it. What a great answer. And, you know, something that I've not heard before in the, in the podcast, this idea of adding and subtracting is um, and how that relates to simplicity and complexity. Intents, intention and enjoyment. So let me ask you this question. What is next for you? What is your intention and what are you looking to enjoy? Just give us a little brief piece on that before we wrap it up. So... I'll go back to what I said at the beginning. I'm not starting from scratch. I'm starting with experience. There's a quote about that, right? And so that has really resonated with me. And going back to President Obama's quote, the sense of duty, it's, you know, hard, hardwired into me. And particularly now with what we are going through in the pandemic, it's revealed so many cracks in our society. And I feel my, my health is still good. I have a lot of energy. I think I have a lot to offer and I don't want to rust out or, you know, be discouraged. I, I'm very hopeful. But the things that interest me, you know, anything social, environmental, 
and sort of the nexus with the economy and technology. They call it sustainability, but I think it's broader than that. Anything that looking at leadership and being inclusive, helping those to be as diverse, but also, you know, that sense of belonging, mental health. I have worked in the public service. I'm always curious as to, you know, what the not-for-profit sector is doing or the private sector. And so those are the areas that I'm interested in. I've already signed up and accepted to be a board of directors uh, for an organization. And I, but I'm being asked, but I'm going to be very choosy about what I, what I select because I want to ensure that I do have Jubila, but that is something joyful and meaningful to me, but also what's the best that Rose could bring forward to others. Fantastic. Um, I, I just, when you talked about those three stages you were going through and well, agitation being one, what's next? What am I going to do? And then what you just said then, really, it's going to be based around jubilar or joy. It needs to be joy. And I think, you know, a great lesson, not for just people transitioning, but for people in the workforce who maybe are having a tough time and then they just, they go from, you know, what do they call it? Out of the frying pan into the fire. They, they, they don't think about what they're really looking for is joy or happiness or contentment or whatever, they just go to the next job and they find it's the same thing again. And I, I love the ability for you to step back and think that what's really important to me is joy. So I, I think there's some great lessons there. Let's wrap up with um, where people can connect with you if they'd like to. And I'm sure there'll be a few people that will want to connect with you because they'll be thinking about the challenge they're going through with this process of transitioning or making sure they don't rust out, as you called it, which I loved. Where can they connect with you, Rose, if they'd like to? So I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm quite active. If you connect with me, I will accept the connection. I'm also happy to uh, have a chat. doesn't matter where you are in the world. We'll figure it out. And, you know, I've connected with a couple of groups uh, like yours. So, you know, I'm learning and sharing there. But yeah, LinkedIn is the best way to reach me. And I'm happy to chat with anyone. Um, I keep everything to myself, so it's you know held in confidence. Uh, if I can help, I will through my connections. So happy to do that. Rose, it's been a great 12 months getting to know you. And thank you very much for sharing some pretty amazing tips today for people who are not just people who are transitioning, but for others in the business who are looking to help others transition out. And I wish you the best for whatever future endeavours that you have. Thank you very much. Thank you. And I'm really glad that you're one of my new relationships. And uh, again, very grateful. So thank you very much. Those three words that really, really struck a chord with me today. And when Rose was talking about what's next and, and the, I guess the choices we then make about how we want to be. And she said these three words, don't rust out. Really, really powerful. It's like just because you're finishing up one part of your life, which has been a significant part of, of Rose's life of 36 years in the public service in, in multiple departments doing some really incredible human work as well as some technical and process work is making that choice that I'm just not going to sit back now and rust out. Talking about how important both that physical and mental health and well-being is going to be and how in the last 12 months, she started to really focus in on that to get ready for what was coming up. Those three points that she made about 
you know, what was starting to go through her mind and what was happening and, and sort of this roller coaster that she was on when she talked about, you know, movement, agitation and being kind to yourself and, and how she could skip from one to the other, you know, day by day, hour by hour, wondering what's next, the uncertainty of it, wondering if she has left a legacy, if she was good enough, which, which I'm really pleased to say she came to the conclusion that she'd done a lot of good because she got some little messages from people like, hey, thank you for talking to me in the lift that time, as people started to hear that she was moving on. The concept of jubilar, this idea of whatever I do next, it needs to bring joy to me and joy to others. Being proud of what you've done. And then those amazing, simple and practical tips that she gave for managers to think about. And I really loved, well, I loved them all, but particularly the first one, is give those people who are transitioning out some really important work to do, to let them know that you value them still and that you're not just putting them into the corner. Give them some space to, to do some other things and be introduced to new people and, and also to be able to use their expertise and their experience over time to mentor others and to help others maybe speed up what they need to know by just spending time with them and really, really looking at where they can add value. I really enjoyed this conversation. As I said, I consider Rose to be a really, really good friend now. She's someone that stays up late at night on a, on a Wednesday night for her, a Thursday for us to be on the Zoom room because she just enjoys interacting with human beings, connecting with human beings, belonging to a tribe. And as she said, something she learned from very early in her life through her parents is to be in the service of others and to be helpful. Hey, if you like this episode, why not rate it five stars and, um, and even write a review for me it would be fantastic. And if you loved it, share it with your friends. But until next time, keep it simple, keep it practical and keep it human. Bye for now.